Hello and welcome to Priority Roll, an Age of Sigmar podcast from sunny England. Join us as we discuss the ever-changing character of wargaming in the mortal realms. Grab your D6 and get ready for the Priority Roll. Hello and welcome to Priority Roll. My name is Dan and today I'm joined by Ricky Mee to talk about Flesh Eater Courts. Welcome to Priority Roll, Ricky. Thanks, Dan. Awesome to be here. No, it's good to have you on. And the reason why we've got you on to talk about Flesh Eater Courts is because you recently did quite well with them at uh, Hammer and Bolter, did you not? I did, yeah. It's slightly unexpected, but yeah, it was, uh, I feel privileged. I think it's the only word I can use. Well, it was fantastic seeing such a huge cohort from the UK going, uh, but then for us to, you know, the the Brits to come back with the uh, with the gold, that's uh, that's even better. Yeah, I tell you what, especially with um, some of the guys. I know you've already had Jack on but the caliber of the guys that were going with us. Um, I'm almost surprised that I'm outweighed some of those. I don't know if I didn't play any of them, but yeah, that, to, to to end up anywhere near the top with like this of those guys in there, plus some of the other traveling people that were there, is something I'm quite proud of. Yeah, absolutely, rightly so. Did um, did any of the Brits play each other? Uh, no. That's nope. good. That's really yep, cool and- because if you're gonna if you're gonna do international Warhammer, it would be really annoying if like round two you kind of draw against each other or something like that. Because I know round one they often pair out they they pair out clubs, don't they? But yeah, be I think frustrating. there was a conscious effort, I believe, in at least the first couple of games to try and avoid that. And I think because of the size of the event, I, I think there was a, there was enough scope for that to be possible. But I think towards the end, it definitely got lucky. Well, any any tournament combo it has a sprinkling of luck to to a greater or lesser extent. Anyway, it, it so, did for me. <laughs> it did for you, absolutely. Well, I mean, that's well, we, we could just blame all on that then, can't we, Ricky? Yeah. <laughs> How did you do? Yeah, I was lucky. Fine, job done. <laughs> Um, so talk to me about Feck overall. What was it that drew you to the faction? Okay. Um, well, in the last number of years in Age of Sigma, I've played a lot of death, um, uh, quite a lot with Nagash. When the Feck book came out, uh, I played for a long time playing sort of the blister, kitten, blister skin style lists, uh, more for, again for the speed. I like the maneuverability and I love the models. Um, specifically, this project was actually twofold. It was one that I... I specifically aimed for a lower model count list something that i wanted to play with where you rely on the heavy hitters and the monsters and it's just supported if you could even use that word by the the sort of the smaller numbers um but also there was a bit of a hobby element i wanted to try with this project as well so but yeah that's all the main two reasons and then why did you feel that this list in particular was the right list to take to this event i'm actually using this list or similar list uh in, in a Little event, I say event, it's a, a league that Chris Tomlin's running down in Dorset. We're doing a Dorset Cup, and I wanted the list specifically for that as well, um, for the reasons that I mentioned before. But when the book came out, it, as everybody knows, Gristlegore was used quite a lot. Um, I don't tend to go with lists where I try to avoid lists that have the negative negativity that comes with it. And I know that initially that always strikes first whenever you want, piling in twice stuff, really put Gristlegore at the front. Um, since that's been gone, I wanted to try it because it's very monster-focused and gave me those sort of elements that I was looking for in a list. Okay, so without without the stigma, you felt that you were happy to take Gristlegore? Yes, and I, and I think also not many people are using it at the moment because the, the, what often you do see is as a list takes the edge taken off it, or new lists come out, and I think in this case, both for Feck, people move on, and it was almost a bit forgotten how good it was, in my opinion. 
Brilliant. And then was there was there a conscious decision based on the meta as well? Did you kind of feel that it was good against what you're expecting to see? I mean, bearing in mind, obviously, this is a, a European event as well, so it's not necessarily the UK meta that we're used to seeing. Um, so on the aspect of it being a European event, I like the idea of it because the smaller model count and the speed that you can play it at allowed to have more time for the communication and just enjoying the event. Uh, as far as the meta, uh, when I when I started the project a little while back, there was a couple of obviously the newer released armies that weren't here at that point. <clears throat> I think in the context of monster on monster, Gristle Gore fare quite well. And I think they've never really lost the ability to play missions because of their speed. Uh, they can get across the table just in movement, let alone the fact that a lot of them fly as well, and you've got the summoning. So I think those elements don't really ever rule it out of a, a competitive list, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that, that does make sense. I think uh, we quite often say that games are won in the movement phase. You know, it's the most important phase of the game, that kind of thing. So having uh, an army that's incredibly manoeuvrable is, is a huge strength. And if you can supplement that with not only are they quick around the board but also they ignore terrain or other models with the fly keyword then you know you're onto a winner there yeah yep so for those who may not necessarily be super familiar with feck because as you say they've maybe taken a step outside the limelight do you want to kind of talk about feck a little bit overall kind of what the characteristics of the army are and then maybe uh then once we've done that talk about gristlegore specifically and 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 why and, and how that modifies the kind of core vanilla mechanics yeah no problem so the focus of effect uh, from the allegiance abilities is, as with all death, you get your six up after save, the ignore wounds. The The main focus is, uh, in, in all elements of the list, even if you exclude the monsters and the flying, the ability to get around the board because the command abilities are all, all based around summoning. So you can summon troops on depending on what type of hero you are. That element in itself allows for with artifacts and artifacts outside of the book the ability to try and control that part of the game i think that's quite a big key to how any death works with the summoning and the healing and flesh eaters definitely have that feeling frenzy which is the command ability from the main allegiance abilities it allows monsters and heroes to pile in and attack twice so obviously that works quite well with my list but it also works really well with other combat heroes and the, the element of the fact that this army is combat focused is really good um you then go into the grand courts which again all they all focus on different elements of the troops but they all encourage additional movement or additional fighting and in some cases survivability but most of the two that i've used and the ones you do see more common are based on maneuverability so it, it really does focus the overall army on that the abilities to fight run and charge move across the board and combat so just touching on feeding frenzy before we move on to gristle gore yeah uh, it you can't pick the same units to benefit from the ability more than once per phase but you can reuse the command ability itself Yes. More than once per phase. And that's if a unit... Uh, so Essentially, it's, you can use this command ability after a friendly feck unit has fought in the combat phase for the first time and is wholly within 12 of a friendly feck hero or wholly within 18 of a friendly feck hero that's the general. If you do so, that unit can immediately make a piling move and then attack with all of its melee weapons uh, that it's armed with for a second time. You cannot pick the same unit to benefit the command ability once, more than once per phase. So yes. would you often find yourself kind of comboing, like almost having like a super a super round of, of piling into your, your command points? Yeah, so going away from what is the standard stuff and slightly into my list, part of the Gristle Gore 
uh, allows for your general to strike first. So you have the ability to strike once, which is first, feeling frenzy to go again, and then you would start the combat phase in order. So when you've charged, which actually is part of the FAQ now, it only works in that case, means that you can do that, he can go twice, and then you can look at a, a second unit and potentially go twice. So there's there's a serious amount of output that you can cause in one focused area. And it's the Gristlegore command trait Savage Strike that allows the general to fight first to the start of the combat phase, isn't it? It is, yes. And you most commonly would see that um one of the two monsters. Makes sense. Yeah, you're not gonna put that on your on your weedy hero, are you? Uh, not unless you're doing a favour to your opponent. <laughs> you don't get 5-0 without, with, uh, by doing favours to your opponent, do you? No, no you don't. <laughs> so, um, Gristlegore as a whole, kind of, you wanted to really capitalise on the kind of combat strength of the army. Is there any any other kind of things that the, the Gristlegore does for you, or is it just purely all about combat? It's Yes, it's, it's, it's all combat focused. So you, the ability you have allows monsters that roll a hit roll on a six actually inflicts two hits instead of one um that only does work there's a couple of scenarios where you get that like with the terrorgeist where sixes do six mortal wounds it doesn't generate two times the amount of mortal wounds it generates the six and then additional hit that you can carry on to roll to wound with oh that's a Um, shame well, you say that, but then I think sometimes you already roll a couple when your opponent cries. If you yeah, do that I mean, yeah, no, I think... I, you know, it's it's not a shame outside of this. Uh, it's it's no. a shame within this call. It's it's not a shame for the kind of state yeah. of the game. <laughs> um, but as I said, yeah, that's a, that that's a focus. You've got the artifact that comes with it is also based on damage, and then you have the call to war command ability of what as well. Um, uh, do, do you know that? Have you have you seen that one, Dan? Uh, no, why don't you run us through that? Is that is that something that brings on more more dudes onto the um, onto the battlefield? Um, no. So this one is you can you can use the command ability before you you remove your model from play, and then it allows you to pile in and fight. Oh. So you, I you think have I've, this... I've been called to ward. I've yes, been, okay. been called to war, or no? As you know, on a, I think f- maybe f- uh, the Warhammer GT one of the heats or something i got a terror I, I was really happy that i killed a terror guys and someone then <laughs> smashed me back and hit me with yeah. a terror guys and i was like i thought he was dead oh no yeah and i've i've had a scenario i mentioned the cup we're in at the moment so one of the wins i managed was actually i gambled completely on turn one to try and do some damage to a combat uh orc list and i went for the more crusher i completely fluffed but survived my turn and his turn he killed me and then on killing me i used call to war and rolled triple six on the mortal wounds and just took it off and it you, you laugh but you also you cry inside a little bit for your opponent when you do things like that brutal absolutely brutal it is but as as you said going back to the sort of the original comment all those four as you can see are based heavily on the combat focus of the monsters is there is there something your army doesn't do very well yeah, it doesn't fill the board. Okay, so kind of concentration um, of force good, but board presence. Yeah. It doesn't fill the board, so not not good there, but it can get to parts of the board. Yes, it can, yeah. So as I mentioned earlier with the summoning, um, in my specific list, my only summoning comes from the monsters, and it only offers me, it offers me small numbers, but speed. So I get the knights from the two terrorgeists, and I actually often go with flayers. So I get two units of three flares. They offer speed and some decent damage. And then the dragon gets me a hero, which is almost certainly a Vargolf that I use. So as a compact punch, they're quite good if you group them together. But also, 
in a number of games, it's nice to sit on one and just wait because later on, if you're playing, especially as you said, trying to get around the board to objectives, if there's say eight on the table, holding it in and going into one corner in one of your movement phases is it's a lovely ability to have when all I've got at the back end is 30 goals, which don't do a lot. Mm, yeah, 30 goals. Uh, they're good objective holders and. You know, in in those numbers, they can do all right, but they're they're not kind of the, not a heavy hitter of the list, are they? No, definitely not. And the only reason, well, not the only reason, but one of the reasons they're in the list is because I do take a formation which is they're they're all included in, which gives me additional movement tricks as, from the Ghoul Patrol Battalion. So it allows me to keep that, some of those units off the table if I want to. That's so useful, uh, yeah, especially useful is. for those scenarios where you need to get kind of you know some battle line units down down the enders of the board. Yes, there is a limitation that you it has to arrive at the end of your first movement phase. But good to keep that kind of board presence, you know, to kind of counter that lack of board presence. Yes, yeah. So you you've got to be careful with your numbers, but you can get them around the table if you need to. And can you you can send a, a courtier with them as well, can't you? Yes. So the the other part of that battalion is the small ghoul hero. The little foot hero and now can um, he, now can he summon dudes himself nope he can only bring back um models that are killed within a certain range gotcha. so it's not like you could almost like cha- for want of a better word chain summon with the with the crypt gas course here nope that's luckily something you can't do in this book oh that's good i'm just just looking for looking for ways I, i'm fex it's really interesting just hearing you talk about it because fex one of those armies that um i've never never played myself and have only played it a few times so yep. i get against it so um actually kind of like reading through the book now um or, or the scrolls rather on the on the app it's um it's really interesting it's just kind of I'm, yeah. just, I'm already thinking oh actually this could be quite cool <laughs> getting <There's>, distracted <laughs> no there, there is a lot in there and, and i think because we've had a, a cycle where the book's been out a while now and a lot of other books have come out since it's it's got enough in the book that you can adjust the list quite drastically but you can still play in a way that you'd want to so you, as we said earlier the movement's so key in the game ability to get around the table and even without the monsters it still does have some impact in the damage so you've, you've got a lot of flexibility and you, you i think now that we've gone full circle i think that there's definitely a place in the meta if you have a better word that the feck are back involved yeah i did i did have i played russ feel at uh oh god what was it was it big or something bristol independent gaming there was a oh, wow, yeah. uh did they have like the Bristol Clash or Bristol Smash or something like that? Yeah, I think I might have been there as well. Way way back in the in the good old days. Yeah, <laughs> yep. And and Russ played with Feck with the, with the first book, and I remember playing him and got absolutely trounced, didn't I? With 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 my silly squig army as I was running it back in the day, <laughs> and uh, I remember coming away from that event thinking I'm definitely going to do a Feck army, and I had all my old Bretonians at the time, and I was going to like convert them up to be undead, and you know like, the horrors were going to be knights, and the Pegasus Riders were going to be the flayers you know that kind of yeah. thing um i wish i hadn't sold this Bretonians now because you know it makes me want to do the army again just listening to you chat about it so talk talk to us about your list as a whole kind of run us through the list and and who's got what artifacts and things like that because obviously that's that's shows that you've thought about you've had to take a compulsory artifact but you've had the choice to add another one because of the um battalion as well haven't you yeah so i think what's quite lucky is the artifacts that you're required to take from the Gristle Royal Court is is actually okay. Um, it doesn't go on my general for a reason that I'll explain in a minute. But the the Gurish Morshard is once per battle at the start of the combat phase, you can pick one enemy model with an inch of the bearer and roll a dice. If your roll is greater than the model's wound characteristic, it is slain. 
So it's nice that you can select specific models in a unit, or if you've got that four-wound Grot Hero, something like that, that you might be able to just, just take before the rounds even started. It's That's quite nice. Um, and obviously my monsters are in combat, so that on a Terrorgeist is just an addition that if you remember to use it, it actually can get you out of some sticky situations where people are trying to hold you up or st- string a line of models in front of you and you can pop one of them off, helping you with the ability to battle shock them later. Yeah, that's really interesting. Although it is done at the start of the combat phase, so the it enemy is, yep. would assume, I'd assume they'd get the chance to then pile in. Yeah, but uh, as I have managed to do a couple of times... Is... Can you pin them with another unit? You can. So yeah. it, it is difficult, but you, you can get it to a point where they can't actually move the models, especially with your little units of 10 that you've got. Yeah, especially if you strike at the start of the combat phase with this um, with the artifact, and then you go first with another unit and pile into the gap. Yep, and block them. Yep, and and what what you also find is it it, it sometimes can allow you it, it enforces your opponent to fight somewhere maybe they don't want as well. Mm. So it, it's things like that that don't. Or get even seen. Yeah, even the threat of you doing that, you could yes. even you could verbalize that you know on the table you could be like ah yeah. and I can just pile in here <laughs> <laughs> unless you went dot 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 and they'd be like ah oh, I know what you're doing <laughs> I really want to go over here with my hero but you know I've got to do this to prevent that from happening. <laughs> The, the the mind tricks yeah yeah jack armstrong them yeah. <laughs> so run us through your list from uh, from top to bottom okay so i've got uh, the general which is a terror geist he has the trait that we mentioned earlier savage strike he has the ether quartz brooch and that allows me to on a five plus get my command points back when i use them um in the way i play this list that's invaluable because the, as i mentioned to you earlier there's a number of command traits that this uses just for the ability to uh, the, the damage output, and that's before you want to use the summoning for your game and mission play. So it, it's super key, and I've tried it without, and it does make it much more difficult. The second Terror Geist, as I mentioned, has the artifact from Gristlegore, and then I have a Zombie Dragon. The three monsters have an additional spell, um, and the spells I take are movement ability spells. So one allows you to run and charge, which is brilliant on the second terror geist because i tend to use the second terror geist as a throw forward sometimes and put the opponent on the back foot while still having the two monsters back um i've got another spell that allows you to fight at your highest damage characteristic and as i mentioned earlier with the call to war it that it, it fits quite well with that because if you fight after you've been killed and he has that spell on him you can then still fight at your max potential and then the fourth hero is the Crypt Cast Courtier, which is part of the Ghoul Patrol Battalion I mentioned, which is three times ten units of ghouls. And then I have an ally of a corpse cart, and I, I take that for the plus one to cast. And the re- main reason is most of the spells are sixes and sevens, and the amount of times that that plus one has saved me is ridiculous. You always roll one below, and you've set up out of range, you can't be dispelled, and it... Yeah, I could count on my hand over one weekend. So it's it's been an invaluable unit that I added, and it's only 80 points. And then to round out, I have an extra command point for reasons I mentioned earlier, and the Chalice, which is an endless spell, and that supports you to bring back wounds and models in your units, and you have one kill. Yeah, James Tinsdale got me on the chalice. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so frustrated. Uh, it was one of the one of the points that lost me my last game and on Bloodshed in the Shires. The chalice was deployed behind a building, like a line of sight, like a physically line of sight blocking bit of terrain. Yep. 
and I, you know, my slang can dispel anything on the board. So there's no reason for me not to try to dispel it. But because it's physically hidden from my point of view, I, I just forgot to dispel it. And it got round to the, you know, it was like a game winning moment where I was like, right, this is where I go up beyond the point of no return on the score. And he was like, yeah, I just wrote, you know, all these dudes come back. And I was like, ah, that's Alice. Yeah. <laughs> it was so it, frustrating. It's so good. Obviously, with my list, it's certainly more focused on healing back the monsters. But it, I know in some lists, you take the units of, like the bigger units of ghouls, especially if it's 40, and you start to get through them and then load them reappear. It's, it's painful for your opponent. It's really good. Uh, now, interesting, you've got Eighth Quartz Brooch there. Now, we did have just have Sheffield Slaughter. They ran a No Realm Artifact event. So yep. you've got your Eighth Quartz Brooch there for obvious reason, reasons that you're CP hungry, no pun intended. And uh, if you were playing at an event where Realm Artifacts weren't allowed, is there is there an obvious artifact from within the book that you take, or is that quite a difficult decision? Um, actually, no. So when I when I first started this army, as I think I mentioned a minute ago, I had run it for a while without that and found that the way I wanted to play it, I needed it. But before that, I actually took an item called the Grim Garland, which is uh, subtract two from bravery characteristics from units while they're within six of the bearer. Okay, and does that combo well with the flares scream? Yes, so the, the screams from the flares and the terrorgeist, it, it's quite helpful with. And then obviously the amount of damage you're doing it can have an, more of an impact when you get to the battleshot phase as well. Yeah, for the, for the more obvious effect. Yeah, and that's really yeah. interesting. But that's one that I have used and is really good. Yeah. Brilliant. Right. So before we get on to how the event went overall and, you know, spoilers, you won it. But uh, was there anything that you were worried about going into? Any lists out there that you were thinking, I really hope I don't face that or you know, this will be a really tough matchup, that kind of thing? Yeah, okay, so um, I hadn't had any experience of value against Bone Reapers. Um, one of the lists I played at club was completely cav-heavy, and it's not a list I think people have seen or clicked onto yet, and I don't necessarily think it's probably the best. So That's Paul Buckler's list, is it? It is, yes. It, it's really good. It beat my list, weirdly. Um, but it, I, that's the only game I've played, so I was certainly concerned about the big Mortec Guard blocks, the the returning of the models from the, the harvesters, the shooting. I hadn't played that common list. Um, the other one I think I've been a little bit limited to is the Cities book. We don't have anybody really that's playing it quite heavily at our club. Um, I, I know a fair bit about it, but I am one of those people that appreciates seeing it and playing against it just to get my head around the last sort of the, the bits, especially with a list like mine where you need to really know which bits of the priority kills and being able to know the rules of your opponent uh, is something that I, I'll, I'll explain later in a game actually when especially with shooting armies is knowing just how far you need to be out but so I'm close enough so I can hit them still um, and they're two elements I hadn't played against with this list so I was certainly concerned about that and I suppose the other one really is the the more common fire slayers list and I'm a big fire slayers fan and player myself um, and I know what that list and that army has and how tough it is for me to be able to grind through. Um, I think they're, they're probably the main three, I would say. Okay, fair enough. And did you did you face any of those armies? Yes, I did. Um, I faced, actually, what was even worse, I thought, was the Nagash uh, Petrifex Bone Reapers. Um, I played that on day one. And to be honest with you, the only reason I really won the game was being able to go first it was on um three places of arcane power and i was managed to score for the first two turns 
the two outer ones and then on the first turn the inner one and i got myself to a point where i was so far ahead and by the way he deployed with the secret missions i had guessed that he'd gone for the central one because he deployed nagash very central so i i gambled that that's what he was doing it turned out that that's what he was and what at the point when you've got nagash pinned into the middle i can sacrifice one monster score and hope that he never catches up with me and that's exactly what happened um if i had to go toe to toe with them i think it could have been a very different story because he had 40 more tech guard as one big unit and that's very difficult to chew through, even with my monsters, once they've got the plus one save, the re-rollable saves. And he also had the spell for the, you make the death save a five up instead of a six, or you add a five up. I can't remember which way around it is, but you just bounce off it a lot of the time. So it it was playing the mission to get me that win and not, not trying to fight it. Yeah, fair enough. So overall, how did the how did the kind of games go? You know, And again, we're not looking for like a blow-by-blow account, more kind of the kind of core concepts um so uh, across day one um i think as i mentioned there with the bone reapers one um i played a course a corn brass stampede which i was just able to outfight. but other than that i played the bone reapers and an ogre more tribes list which both uh, i would struggle to outfight initially and it was just about playing the mission and i think something that i, I found that my opponents were maybe over cautious with and i think you all, i think we mentioned earlier about playing the off the table part of the game is the summoning people really worried about the summoning coming on the back and it made people play more defensively than they maybe should um it's something that i had gained a lot from on my list that in my club games leading up to this i haven't as much because all the guys at club know what it sort of does um i don't know whether that's the lack of them not being on the table as much more recently or the the difference in playing in their meta but it on day one that was probably my takeaway was that that really helped me win my three games and then have you got kind of like a biggest lesson that you learn over the event based on your gaming experience uh yeah uh, so game five we played oh, what's the one with the eight objectives dan where you can burn them after turn Scorched two Earth. i think that's it yeah so i played that on table one against fire slayers and it was the list with three times 20 hearthguard berserkers in and if i'm honest I, I was just turning up to the table thinking i'll play as well as i can i'm not likely to win and something that i can definitely take away from this game which i was quite pleased with at my play is i obviously as i mentioned earlier, know the fire slayers quite well and i decided to use that to my advantage and really push into one area i deployed more normal so there was uh, the three monsters more spread out just in case he wanted to go first he let me go first and i just closed up down one side and i think his deployment and his concern as i mentioned earlier of the summoning really made him hold a little bit too late and uh, i joke about this a lot actually uh, one of the guys i travel with tom maudsley we've been talking a lot about how with combat armies you have to know when to push home and his voice was ringing my head turn three to turn four and I was thinking, I've got an opportunity here. He hasn't pushed home on me. I can push home on him. And, and it's do you want to expand on that? Is that kind of when to have a killer instinct and when to throw all the CP into the into the fire, like the killing blow? Yeah, I think so. Definitely, that's the the perfect term for my list because you can wait, you can wait, you can get yourself into a position. If if that position, if, if you get the good position by taking the combat, you win the combat. You don't even necessarily need the turn. I didn't get the double turn. I just got into a position where he could not react to me and then I could follow it through the following turn. And as you say, with two monsters load up on the command points, 
summon in the unit for the to, to replace the unit I'm about to kill and just just slaughtered the, what was the second unit of 20 and by that point I'd managed to sort of kill off a couple of his heroes so all his buffs are disappearing and it's just then going for it it's it's commit kill the unit and then they've only got one unit left what can they do when I've still got two monsters and the speed on the table yeah no that makes more sense um and uh, what about yourself are there any mistakes that you made during your games that kind of nearly lost you the games yeah so in in that game um as i mentioned i deployed to start with with the three monsters sort of spread out across the front obviously that's lengthways deployment so it's not like it's too wide um i moved forward and then uh, the following turn went off to the left hand side as i mentioned just to, to target one area the mistake i made was I, I could have summoned the unit the turn before to allow me to burn one of them a turn before which meant i would never have needed to go to turn five priority to win i would have pro- he would never have been able to catch me the turn before and i was so hit up on as i said going for the kill focusing on the win and everything like that i just didn't use the command point to summon the little unit on in the corner and it, it shows how key and how good of an ability that is and it's just taking that moment to stop and think just before you try and kill everything yeah it's sometimes really easy to get distracted by that when ultimately it is an objective-based game isn't it definitely and the only excuse i can give is i was on table one i'd nearly won when i shouldn't have and i let it get to me so <laughs> but that's where the, that's where the luck maybe comes in a little bit well absolutely yeah you can sometimes i, I know i've thrown games away because of silly mistakes like that or like not retreating when you could have retreated you know think thinking you're locked just having that like the retreat mechanics a really interesting one i know age sigma is not not the new game that it used to be but being able to just run away onto an objective and i know it doesn't always work but that's something to kind of wrap your head around isn't it yeah yeah so um in a similar vein i tried to repair that mistake in the turn four by going for a slightly longer charge of one of the monsters so that when I charged his unit, I could pile in round the end of the unit to then score and burn the objective in the corner. And actually thinking of that now, that's probably my second mistake in the game is I'm, a, I'm an advocate of pre-measuring everything before I do it and then saying, I need this. Are you happy? It was probably the only occasion in the game I didn't do it. And it was mainly because I, I knew that I had a shooting attack and I didn't want to show my opponent what my plan was within using the last model on the end to rotate round and sort of flick the arse of the model out so that you get within range to score. But when I did the charge, I picked the model up, moved it in and then gave the, gave the situation to not be 100% sure exactly how far round I'd got. If I'd pre-measured that first and just shown him what I was doing, it wouldn't have been a point where, oh, OK, I'm not quite sure if it's there or not. But at that point, it's unfair to make my opponent feel awkward. And I just feel stupid because I could have just pre-measured it. Um, so that was something I took away f- from that, that what I do is the right thing to do. But don't forget it, especially at key moments. Yeah, definitely. And actually, you know, not asking your opponent for take backs or not putting your opponent in positions like that is is a key point to playing in a sporting manner, isn't it? Yeah, 100 percent. Almost like owning your mistakes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Because it's, it's bad enough that obviously you feel awkward, but. I'd never like to be in a position where my opponent also then feels like, oh, because you're nice or because you have an arse, they should let you. It's best just not to have that situation because the worst thing was if you if you were to win off that situation, myself, I'd feel really sort of bad about it, I think. Yeah, no, it makes sense. Um, so overall, how would you describe your kind of list's performance? And I don't just mean, you know, <laughs> it was quite good because you won. Yeah. But like, <laughs> how did you feel about the list uh, kind of at the back end of the event, apart from elated, clearly? 
Um, yeah, really good. And uh, as I said, not not just because I won. Um, I've been playing it a fair bit leading up to the event. Um, I like to play as much as I can with something so that as much of the list becomes automatic. Um, and when I look at the list now and think, what would I change? Uh, th- there's not much, and it's not because I think that's the best list. I think there's a list where you can remove one of the monsters and bring in a couple of the foot heroes. But that doesn't give you that sort of ability like i mentioned in game five to focus on an area and just blow it apart it starts to lean more on additional bodies and playing the missions and summoning more and stuff like that which is a valid and really good list maybe even better but it doesn't do what my aim was for the list sure and uh kind of after the event once the dust had settled are there any um, any changes you think you'd make to the list? And without changing the kind of overall direction of the list, let's say, um, any tweaks? Yeah, so I think two. Um, I think you touched on it earlier. If we're going away from maybe events allowing the artifacts from uh, outside of the book, I would consider maybe not taking the battalion because although it's okay, I don't often use the coming on from the board edge with the units turn one and it's 180 points it's certainly 180 points i could look to bring something else in obviously my drops go up from five to nine um but that's certainly something i would consider um the other one maybe is although we mentioned how good the chalice is it it comes into use less with the way i'm playing the list as well um but the problem is for 50 points i'm not sure what else I would add, and the main reason that is, is you could look at other endless spells, but I struggle because I only have three casts, and actually I've got four spells already that I want to cast quite regularly from the War Scrolls, but I think they're the two areas I would look to maybe try out the list and adjust it a little and see how I like it. And then I guess a really, really important question. How much fun is the army to use? Uh, Brilliant. It's really fun. Um, Being able to just take, you you can go one monster at a time and fight in different areas, or as we keep saying, like the focused area, putting all three in and just just going crazy with the combat. It's if you like combat oriented armies, this is one of the better ones for sure. Um, And if you don't mind the the thought process of just what you do with the rest of your units, because there's not many of them and they're not very good, then it's it's brilliant. It's, It's really cool. And as I said earlier, there's so much speed and the flying as well with the movement that you're in every game. And I think for me, that's the best element about it. Fantastic. And then there's been a, a whole bunch of releases since the event and the event wasn't running the new Zinch or KO book, even so, even though they had been released recently because of the list submissions. Uh, is there anything yes. that's been released since the event or kind of since the list submission that kind of scares you that you're worried about kind of going forward at future events? Um, I think the so carriage run overlords um, have a, a serious amount of damage output that they can put into at least one of my monsters and maybe two. The army, if you remove the two terror geists, is and plays a hell of a lot different. And I think they could probably do it taking first turn if they wanted due to the drop count because my list's at five. Um, that would be interesting, and it's not a game I've played many times. Um, I know, as we mentioned earlier, Slaughter was just this weekend, and there was a list with, was it five-plus boats and a lot of movement and shooting? I'm not sure how I'd fare against something like that. Um the Zinch one is quite interesting because, as I mentioned with the three monsters, any one of those three monsters can do a lot of damage to the, the Zinch demons outside of a big horror block. So if it's a flame-heavy list, I think I could just split the army up into three separate blocks, let them kill one. The problem is, I suppose, if they 
got through a double turn between one and two, the, could they still kill it all? Um, but as you can probably tell my vagueness, I haven't played it yet, so I'm really interested to see what I could do against that. We, we shall see. You'll have to report back and let me know how it goes. Need to, yeah, I need to find someone local who is willing to play it. Because <laughs> currently we don't have anybody that is. <laughs> no, fair enough. Um, but yeah, outside of those two, uh, like I say, I, I, I had the privilege of playing the Bone Reapers. Um, I'm not sure how I would get on if I played five games against them. But again, at the moment, we don't have uh, Matt Lyons of um, Pro Painted is in the process of getting his army together. So I'm looking forward oh, to maybe playing. Oh, he's painted a lovely some. kind of, um, uh, is it, it's all uh, cherry blossom, isn't it? And red. It, it, it's genuinely stunning. It, it looks really, amazing it, from the photos. I really can't. I can't wait to sit in an event up close and personal. Yeah, I think. Uh, I, I hope I'm not getting this wrong, but I think his aim was for South Coast GT. Uh, and so I, that's part of his coolest army concept, is it? Yeah, I, but as much as it's really, really cool, the level of painting that he's gone into, I'd like to think he'd be also looking at one of the better painting awards as well, because it, it's outstanding on both fronts. It really is. It's. It is something really different as well. I think, like you say, it's, we've seen themes like that before, but it, I think it's another level. And the, the style that he's gone through with the um, the hats and stuff on the models for the sort of samurai feel is just it's, it's it's brilliant. It's really cool. Yeah, looking forward to seeing that South Coast. Are you going to South yeah. Coast? Yes, yeah, I am. Yeah, luckily that's a local one for me, so I try not to miss it. Oh, excellent. Well, hopefully, well, are you bringing? Well, are you bringing your, your feck? So. I wasn't going to, no. The last event was supposed to be Belgium for it. And but you got a taste of, for blood. Well, I feel like I have to now because people are going to ask why I didn't. So I, I am What would you take it. otherwise? Uh, so um, I'm in the process of doing a, <laughs> a bit of a theme, a three-monster Beast Squirrel Raiders list. Mm. So it actually it is weirdly interesting that I listened to a cast that you did with Luke a while back. And oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Make... Yeah. Um, Make Saber Tusks great again. Make Frost Sabers great again. Episode, yeah, that was episode well, one, wasn't it? it? It was. And as you guys were talking on that cast, I was just nodding, thinking, I've got a list that's so close to what he was talking about. It was a bit weird. Um, and I've been playing it a fair bit and really enjoy it. If I remember correctly, did um, is there not a list quite similar from uh, Liam Jordan's team? Beast, was it Beast Midlands at Brotherhood? Yep, so that, that's actually closer to what I've been playing. Um, I still focused on one larger unit of the saber tusks because actually they're really good on the turn they arrive and charge with the ability to obviously stack a number of command points on them um i think that one only had a unit of six and some twos but it is a very similar concept to what i've been doing uh, excellent well we'll have to see well no no pressure if you're not if you don't want to take your feck and you want to run as beast list, it'd be really cool to see how you do with that but as you say if uh if you're not if you're not defending the title with the feck then you know what does that really say about you as a player yeah <laughs> No, I'll leave I feel it there, like mate. I have to. I know. <laughs> if I didn't already feel like I had to, I think you'd just kind of really put <laughs> See me in the there. Deal. Now. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, any uh, you mentioned a club a couple of times. Is that the Dorset Doggers? It is. Yes. Massive yep. shout out to the Dorset Doggers. What a bunch of legends? Yeah. yeah, brilliant, brilliant group of people. Um, and then obviously there's a lot more on the outside that still come and a part of the club, all run by Paul. I think you mentioned Paul Buckler earlier. Yeah, absolute hobby hero. That Paul Buckler. Yes, um, he he's, is. He's a lovely bloke and a real credit to the community. He is. And Paul actually was uh, at the Belgian trip with me, so that was really cool as well. I, I bet he's looking forward to the upcoming Seraphon team. He is excited is definitely an understatement yeah <laughs> as am i as am i yes. right so if people want to find you on twitter what's the best uh what's the best way to find you um it's chippy rick 
Chippy Rick. Excellent. Yeah. And as always, we will be, uh, you know, we'll, we'll tag you in the in the post when this episode goes live, so people can find you there. Yeah, no worries. And uh, on to the last two questions, then I guess. Uh, yeah, okay. you know what they are. So, if you could protect one thing about Age of Sigmar, never have it change. What would it be? And if you could only change one thing of Age of Sigmar, the rest of the game would never change. What would that be? Okay, well, the keep one thing was quite easy for me, and I do listen to your class, and I hope I hadn't repeated this, which is quite surprising, but um, it's my favourite thing is like the battle tome identity. Um, I love the the flavour in the battle tome, the artefacts, the unique focus, the abilities. I'm playing it with Feck, as you as you've heard. Um, it, I love the focus of it, and it seems at the moment that events, especially in the UK, are, are moving to a point where they're trying to encourage that. I hope that stays, and it's the one thing I'd like to always see is to the, all the added abilities and stuff in each battle tome. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I really agree. And listening to, I feel like I say this quite a lot, but listening to, uh, who was I talking about? I think it was talking to Paul Marshall, say, about the podcast that Wade did with um, Jervis Johnson about, like, army identity and play style yes. meetings and yep. stuff like that that's really interesting and obviously you you are you are exposed a little bit more of that than than maybe the rest of us but um it is really interesting seeing that real strength that kind of core narrative come through in the in the play styles and in the battle tones themselves yeah like i would say seeing it and stuff like that it for me it's super important and and as you hear like when you hear the podcast with jervis and that on it's certainly games workshops focus um and and i i hope it never goes away because it it really does add the identity you look at some of the books that have come out in the last year uh we mentioned cowdron overlords you've got zinch with the the destiny dice and other bits they do it's really it gives that identity that's different and it without that you get to the game where it was when I think Age of Sigmar first came out, where it's all about the units. Unless someone's created with the units, there's not enough diversity. And it would be criminal if that went, in my opinion. Brilliant. And then what would you change if the rest of the game is going to remain the same? Okay, I struggled with this one a bit, but I think it would be one-drop battalions. Um, and the reason is, I know there was a phase when Sylvan F were prominent, and the thing that everybody used to say was the, the one drop. Oh, it's so negative. You just, you know, you can't dictate. I think when you've got an army that's not at the top tier in that range, it's not so bad. But then I don't know if it's something you should just do because an army's weak. Um, I think the Games Workshop rules writers and everybody like that does that stuff, they're, they're more than creative enough not to have it. And I think if that was the thing that I could just say, choose one thing, remove it, it I think it would be that. And why, why is it you want to remove them? Um, so I like the idea that you can try and write a list where you have to maybe take some limitations to get a lower drop count. I just think that there's not many armies that can do it now, and the ones that can, you, you almost there's there's not another no, there's not enough of a negative impact on doing it. And once you have that scenario where you can just go right, well I'm going to deploy my army, you do what you like, and I'm going first. It it, it just f feels. It feels like you're automatically giving your opponent that, oh, for God's sake. And I remember that that used to be a scenario when you rocked up and if you were playing Sylvan F, you just get that automatic negative vibe from your opponent. And it, I, I don't enjoy that. I think I mentioned at the beginning where I try not to play those lists where it gives it anyway. And I feel like that's an element that can create that negative vibe. I don't know whether you follow 40k much, but uh, are you familiar with the uh, Seize Initiative role? I am, yes. Uh, I used to play 40k a lot more than I do now, but... I don't so much just due to time, but 
I'm not sure how that works. To almost play devil's advocate to my comment, if you've paid all those points and all that stuff to commit to a one drop, if then some bugger rolls a six, it's I don't know what impact that has. You play 40k. Do you find it's a negative impact? Well, it's it's really interesting because the uh, ITC have just house ruled it out. Oh wow! Okay. So they've banned CZ Initiative because they felt that it was having it had too much of an impact on the game. It's odd, isn't it? Because it is a, a, a one in six chance. So there's certainly an element of, of luck. <coughs> but I suppose if you've paid points for a battalion, if, if your direction in your game focus is to, to go one drop so you can either go first or make your opponent go first, I suppose there's the feel bad that you, you've paid the points for that hmm. and then you haven't got it. And yeah, I think that's... although though if, if I guess if the mechanic existed, then people would be less inclined. I guess we're we're yeah. maybe thinking of it thinking of it from a if it happened now with the current mechanics existing, would it feel bad? Absolutely, it would be like, well, I've paid all this stuff. But yeah, if yes. the mechanic existed, people would make those decisions with that in mind, wouldn't they? I definitely hadn't thought about it on that context. Yes, because you'd be sat there going, actually, if I go to a six game event, on average, that's one that I'm not going to get. And if my game style revolves completely around that's one you've got a big problem in and I, I, yeah hadn't, that, that hadn't crossed my mind so yes it could actually enforce a change and, and actually um you could also combat it in slightly different ways so uh, and again another 40k reference they created a stratagem which is kind of like a command ability uh, that you spend cp on um you they create a stratagem where you got additional uh, like a, a, an additional cover bonus so your troops got additional armor save for the first round of combat for those yep. who went second yeah, that's quite not not good. first round of combat. The first, the first turn rather for those that went second. Yeah. So, so perhaps there could be a general's handbook um, command ability to say to give those going second a defensive bonus. So rather than kind of you know rather than scuppering those that do have one drop, you create a rule that allows you to play a defensive if you don't have one drop. So it's a kind of it's a positive uh, solution rather than a negative solution. If that makes sense. Yeah, and as you say that, it kind of makes me think of uh, one example I can think of is the carriage run where you deploy your army and then before turn one you can redeploy it with the boat. Oh, yeah, and that's a very elven or Eldari kind of thing to do. There's lots of kind of um, sneaky deployment shenanigans have existed in previous races and other races in previous uh, iterations of the game. Yeah, this is the ability to have something that reacts upon or, as I think you mentioned, is more of a a defensive mechanism, but uh, some way of offsetting it that would bring it back into the uh, other player's favour a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because I don't obviously play 40k, so it's nice listening to some of your thoughts because you do. Yeah, I'm definitely Mm. really happy that the games are very separate. I wouldn't want to... um... I wouldn't want the games to become kind of, you know, 40k but without bolt guns or, or age, uh, 40k becomes AOS but with bolt guns, you know. Yeah, I'm yeah. very happy that they're, they're two separate and, and unique game systems. Um, although, spoilers, we are actually having a an experienced 40k tournament player on, on a future episode to talk about uh, what mechanics and lessons AOS could learn from 40k. Oh, that's interesting, because I think um, it, it's almost quite a compliment to Games Workshop that they can have two games that are so similar, similar but still but unique. So, yeah, 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 I think that's that's impressive, and I think sometimes those things go unnoticed, don't they? But that is very, very good. Yeah. Most companies don't have more than one game that's that close. No, and, and these they are, you know, they are very incredibly close, but... yeah. But still unique. Yes, yeah. 
yeah so yeah well, you, you can listen to that and tell me what you think and and uh, maybe i'll do a, a related episode on uh, ashes of imperium where i talk about uh, what 40k can learn from aos as well yeah yeah <laughs> if i had all the time in the world we'd be doing all these things yeah i don't know how you do it now to be honest with you <laughs> right on that note we shall uh, we shall leave you everyone to it and i shall leave it to your evening it's getting a bit late over here so uh ricky thank you ever so much for joining me it's uh, it's been a pleasure chatting to you and frustratingly much like when i speak to many people about their armies i'm now thinking about how i can do a feck army <laughs> Well, I appreciate me being able to come on. And yeah, if you want to talk more about them, I would recommend them. (laughs) Slide into your DMs. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Cheers, Ricky. You take care. Thanks. Cheers, Dan. Thanks for listening to Priority Roll. If you want to get in touch with us, we're at Priority Roll on both Twitter and Instagram. You can send us an email, priorityrollpodcast at gmail.com, or you can go to anchor.fm forward slash priority roll and leave us a voice message. If you want to leave us some feedback, we're always looking to improve. Or if you just want to suggest a topic to talk about on one of our upcoming shows, then feel free to get in contact with us. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, thanks for listening to Priority Roll.